to start the message today, I want to ask you a quick question. Uh, what are some of the things? What are some of the things that we do to be united with one another? Obviously, we just did a baptism, but what are some of the things we do to be united with one another? And specifically on Sunday morning. Yeah, go ahead. Gathering together like we are. We're sitting in one room. What else do we do on Sunday morning uh, to be united to one another? Okay, we pray. So we unite our hearts and our voices together in prayer. What else? Songs. There you go. We unite our hearts and voices together in songs. By the way, the band killed it today. You guys were fantastic. Can we, honestly, can we just thank them for, I mean, like that doesn't just happen. They, it is not ready, set, play. I mean, they, they are orchestrating stuff, and it just sounds great. What else do we do um, to be united to one another And Sunday mornings? We heard God's word, like and we were united in the hearing of God's word. Anything else that you guys can think of? What, yeah, worship itself, right? Uh, we just collected an offering. We unite our gifts together for one offering to the Lord. One of the things that we commonly do, um, and, and there's not a prescription that you must do this, but one thing that we commonly do in our worship services is something called the Apostles' Creed. Uh, it's, that's the Latin word for I believe or a, a statement of belief. It's a creed or a credo. And um, the Apostles' Creed was written a few hundred years after the resurrection uh, by church leaders just trying to solidify <clears throat> and clarify what is it that we believe here in the church. And so uh, the Apostles' Creed has been said for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years by Christians to just say, this is what I believe. And we just heard the Apostles' Creed, actually, during the baptism. And, and that unites us. But that's actually not the first creed of the church. Um, you know, there's Jewish creeds and stuff. But the very first creed that we have record of is something that was written, let's get, figure, check this out, three to five years after the resurrection. A remarkable snapshot of history. So three to five years, long before a legend can develop, this is the creed about the resurrection, about what the church believes. And we have it actually for us. We can read it ourselves. The Apostle Paul cited this creed to a group of Christians gathering in a town called Corinth, and they were a dysfunctional group. There was infighting and all kinds of stuff going on. And he told them, guys, hey, guys, 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 stop, stop fighting with each other. Remember these words. And then he cites this creed. And so since we can say a creed and creed unites us and the theme of the day is make us one in unity, I know we're doing a little gymnastics this morning, but I invite you guys to stand back up and we're going to say this ancient creed. We're going to unite our voices with saints gone by and centuries, centuries gone by. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He appeared to Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Isn't that awesome? You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Remarkable. You can see, by the way, why they stopped saying it 
Because they're like, many who are still alive. <laughs> and then when that was no longer true, they're like, eh, maybe we should say something else. You know? uh, but it was a remarkable, remarkable statement of belief that united the church uh, together. And that's kind of what we're talking about today as we continue our series, One Another. And in this series, we are looking at a few of the 59 one another commands that we see in Scripture, in the, in the New Testament in particular, uh, that, that God gives to his church. And we're discovering, as we read them, the church you can't do on a Sunday morning. This is the church you can't do on a Sunday morning. Like, you can't accomplish these one another verbs while we're sitting in here. And last week we talked about that's why we need to start small groups here at St. Mark. It is just a non-negotiable. If, if we're going to continue growing, we've got this vision statement that if we're going to continue growing, we need to grow smaller as we grow larger. We've got to break into small groups because it just becomes that there's a glass ceiling on what we can do and there's limitations on what we can do if this is the only idea we have of church. So we've got to start small groups. And we talked about some of the logistics of that last week. And then this week, we're looking at one of the one another verbs that we're going to do in small groups. And it actually comes from that same section of uh, that book called Corinthians in the first chapter. Remember that they're toxic, they're infighting, they're backbiting, they're dysfunctional, doing some crazy things in the church. And Paul tells them this. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and there be no divisions among you, but that you would be united to one another. That you would be united to one another. And notice what Paul is saying is, is it's, it's more than just being united to an idea or a doctrine, though that matters. And it's more than being united to a, an action, though that matters. And it's more than being united in the key of a song. Thank goodness. It's being united to one another, to the people sitting around you. Find unity with them. Be united to them. And now, you might be thinking, well, hold on. You just said this is a series about the church that you can't do on a Sunday morning. And you're right. This is the church you can't do on a Sunday morning. But we were just united, right? Like, we were united, like, in a creed, in song. Uh, we were united uh, in baptism. We were united in our offering and hearing God's word. But remember, this is more than an idea. This is being united to one another. And there are verbs that you can do to one another to demonstrate and cultivate unity with one another. In fact, a lot of the one another verbs, uh, you've heard a lot of these before, but um, when you look at them through the lens of unity, you see just like how important these are and the things that we need to do if we are going to be united to one another. Take a look at these verbs. Be devoted to one another from Romans 12. So this is a kind of unity where you are devoting yourself to, to more than your gardening, more than Michigan, Michigan State football. You are being devoted to each other. You're placing the interests of others ahead of your own. There's a, a deferential quality to this. 
Accept one another, Romans 15, 7. This idea that you will accept the people that you gather with. And this, this gets to this idea of, of diversity. That regard, that, that God's church is not a unity by uniformity. It's unity even in our diversity. Young, old, black, white, male, female. Doesn't matter the race, the class, the culture, the socioeconomic status, the generation. You can be united to one another. In fact, it's our diversity that demonstrates how powerful the unifying quality of this thing called church is. It's a unity that cares for one another. That, 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 that says, you know what, I know that you have these things that, that you're going through. I'm going to help you on that. That's unity. That's what it looks Be patient with one another. You are driving me crazy. But being long-suffering and helping somebody grow into who God made them to be. It's a unity where you are kind to one another. And kindness is not reciprocity. Kindness is not, hey, you earned this, you deserve this, so I'm going to give it to you. That's not kindness. Kindness is above and beyond. It's what you haven't earned. It's what you don't deserve. Extend that to one another. Comfort one another when you're going through difficulties, when you're going through tragedies and hardships. Like, like be with one another, even in your worst times. And then motivate one another. This is like the permission with each other to give us a loving, swift kick in the rear when we're not living the life God wants for us. Now, again, look at those verbs. You can't do them in this room. You can't. And as you look at those verbs, a few things start to stand out to me. One, life is hard, man. I mean, I hate to break it to you, but you have tragedy waiting for you. In your future, something is going to happen and you're going to need the people around you. This implies also that there's incredible joy. I mean, think about when you get a gift and like how incredible that is when somebody shows you kindness you don't deserve. There's incredible joy with one another. And it also implies that you are built for community. You are built for one another. I hate to break it to you American individualistic introverts (laughs) who hate when we say stand and greet your neighbor. You're like, no. That's why we move it around in the service so you don't know when it's coming. But, I, but you are built for one another. You are built for connection for one another. This is the way God designed you. You're made in the image of God who is in relationship with himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he built you to be in relationship. You know what else this implies? <clears throat> this implies that sitting around you right now, In this room, sitting around you right now, is somebody whose marriage is hanging on by a thread. This implies that right now, sitting around you right now, is somebody who just lost a job. Sitting around you right now this morning is uh, somebody who's a a new grandma. And they want to tell somebody about their new grandbaby. But they haven't. Sitting around you right now is is somebody who's new to the church. And they want to make friends. But when they walk in, they see us talking to people we know. 
and they feel like they don't know how to make an acquaintance. They don't know how to introduce themselves. Sitting around you right now is somebody who looked at their kid's fall sports schedule and doesn't know how they're going to get them all there. (laughs) And Chris is like two hands up. And the problem is you don't know about it. Right? You don't know about it. And that's why we have to do church differently. Because if we're going to live out God's commands and design for us to be united to one another, we got to figure this out. Now, a few of you might be looking at that list, and you wouldn't say that in this room, but you're thinking it. You'd say it if we were sitting anywhere else. You're looking at the list and you go, well, you know what? I don't need the church for any of those words. I can get an alternative to those words elsewhere. I can get that in my quilting club. I can get that, get that with the alumni at the tailgate party. I don't need the church to be devoted to something, to be kind to people. I don't need the church to be motivated. I could go join Burn. And you'd be right. Except you'd be missing out something that is far, far, exceedingly greater than anything you can find elsewhere. Jesus. He's the one who promised, wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am among them. So he's not like just an idea floating in the room. When you gather in a small group, in each other's living rooms, in each other's homes, he's not just an idea floating in the room. He's not just a memory, a concept, a list of beliefs. He is present, moving. He's not a wallflower. He's not a passive participant. He is an active member of the church gathering as a small group. He is living in your living room. When you gather in the name of Jesus, he is there among you. And now these verbs are not verbs that you have to conjure up on your own willpower. And when you feel good and when you're in a good mood, no, 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 no. These are the verbs you do because these are the verbs of Jesus. He did this. He does this. And he will do this. He's the one who looked at you and and was so devoted to you, he became flesh that you might be accepted by God. He came to a manger. He went to a Roman whipping post. He went to a Roman cross that you might be forgiven and receive the comfort and help you need. He extended you grace and mercy and kindness. And now he calls you to a greater life. These are the things he does. And he wants to do them 
to you and through you in a small group. I have a phrase that I use, and it applies so well to this. God cares for his people through his people. God cares for you through the people sitting around you. But it's really hard when we're facing forward, listening to a speech, and this is what we call church. We have to do small groups. God cares for his people through his people. Philippians 2, it talks about how it is God himself, the holy omnipotent, king of the universe, conquered death, that God himself at work within you both to do and to desire his good purpose. Wow. And God uses his people to care for his people. God cares for his people through his people. Probably one of my favorite examples of this because it was just so poignant uh, at, my la- at my previous church, um, we-, we rolled out small groups as well. It was much like this, where we were just like, this is a culture shift. We've got to do this, guys. And we talked about how we're going to be a church of small groups, not a church with small groups. Like, we will call the church those who gather in small groups. That's it. And it's very similar to our vision of being a church that grows smaller as we grow larger. And one day, uh, th- this lady, Astrid, came into church, and I, she was kind of coming through these glass doors, and so I saw her silhouette, and there was something going on in her feet, and I was like, what in the world? And she you know, kind of got into the light. I saw that she had a cast on, and she had one of those, gosh, I forgot the name. I, you told us me last service. It, you put your knee on it, and you kind of, oh, a scooter. Yeah, so it's like it's a wheelchair, but it's not a wheelchair. It's a one-legged wheelchair. I don't even, you know what I'm talking about, though? The thing? You've seen it? Okay. Scooter. I don't know why I forgot that. Anyway, <laughs> she was scooting uh, <laughs> on a scooter. And um, anyway, I was like, oh my goodness, Astrid, what happens? And she goes, oh, a few weeks ago I fell and I tore some things and the doctor put me in this cast. I'm like, a few weeks ago? Oh my goodness, I wish I would have known. I would have done something. <laughs> and then she said, she goes, why well, do I need your help? And I was like, oh, and she, but she clarified. I had my small group. She goes, they came over because like we couldn't, I couldn't get out there. So they came to my house and we did small group in my house. And then they saw my lawn and they mowed the lawn and they got my mail for me. And then they made a meal. They took care of me. I didn't need your help, Pastor Chris. And it bruised my ego a little bit because I'll give you a little insight into pastors, okay? We like caring. We want to care for all of you. We like all of you. We want all of you to live the full life. I would love to have lunch with you, dinner with you, and, and go, golfing with, go golfing with you. I would love to do all of that, but we can't. I don't have enough bandwidth. I need to be, my first calling is to be a husband, then a father, then your pastor. And I've got five kids and I can't even figure out how to get them to the sports schedule this fall, right? Like, I don't even have enough time for my own, right? And I want to so much, but I can't. And this is why so many churches hit this glass ceiling of growth because the pastor has to be the guy doing all the things with everybody and touching base with everybody. And I got to be the one to pray at this and do that. And we have to be at everything. And then the church is limited in its growth. 
But scripture talks about how the pastor's job is to equip the saints for the work of the church. For me to empower you and free you up and liberate you to go be the church with one another. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's scriptural. And when you look at scripture, especially the early church, you see this decentralized model. It's not built around the guy. You guys do life with each other. And then I find out that one of you busted your leg and everyone took care of you. And I'm like, that's amazing. That's what I want. That's what I want for you. God cares for his people through his people. That's what he does. That's why I want you to join a small group, you guys. Can I uh, see this bulletin real quick right here? Nope, the bulletin, not the, yeah, there you go. That, I'll look at taking notes. During, I love it. Um, front row student right here. Uh, <laughs> she's like, oh, that's good, Pastor. <laughs> anyway, um, on the back, take your bulletin out. Take, yeah, take it out, like honestly. Bulletins? You got one? Okay, there you go. You don't have a bulletin? Oh my goodness, here, I'll give you hers. You can read her notes. Uh, her notes are in a notebook up here. I'm just kidding. Um, on the back of that bulletin is a QR code. I know a lot of you, I went to a, a One Nation tap and table and they have a QR code to scan there. And I'm like, I hate this at a restaurant, but you know what? It makes a lot of sense. We have so many things to be a part of to have one QR code for you guys to scan. Uh, scan that QR code. That'll take you to our form for you to just get registered for small groups. If you scroll down, there's FAQs there. And we talked about the FAQs, but you can read them for yourself if you weren't here last week. It's just, and, and honestly, and you're going, wait, I, I, I'm crazy busy. I don't know when I'm going to be able to do this. So honestly, some of it is like, hey, uh, this small group is meeting once a month. You can do that. Some groups meet on weeknights. Some groups meet on weekends. You, it's easier to figure out a schedule with eight people than it is with 110 or whatever. Like it's much easier to figure out a schedule with eight people and you'll figure this out. And we're going to assign groups on different you know, categories and all that kind of stuff. We'll figure it out. It's messy, but it's beautiful. Honestly, you guys, scan that code. Get registered. And if you're not like you know, um, technology deficient. Uh, we have our volunteers, our hospitality volunteers wearing the blue lanyards are going to be out by the tablets at the hub there out in the lobby. And you can just stop by, click the button there. They'll help you get registered. Do it. Do it. This is for you. This is, you know, remember, see, hear, speak, touch, right? We talked about our whole last series. This is an opportunity to, for you to begin to speak with Jesus in small groups, that's, that's, what we, that's what we said the whole last series. And I want this for you. The, the, the life God wants for you, the fullness, the, 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 the potential, you reaching your potential, maximizing yourself as a follower of Jesus involves small groups. There is no path to it apart from that. I promise you, you need to be in Christian community to live the life, the Christian life that God wants for you. You do. Scan that code, get registered. And here's what I promise to you, Okay. I'll promise to you that when, if, if you take up our challenge here and you're like, I'll, I'm going to figure this out. We're going to you know, remodel life. We're going to figure this out. If you take up the challenge, I promise you at some point this year, you will be sitting in your small group, talking with one another, praying with one another. And you're going to realize sitting around you is someone 
who just found a job. Sitting around you is someone whose marriage has been healed. Sitting around you will be someone who was a stranger that is now a new friend. Sitting around you will be someone who's a a grandma and wants to tell you about their new grandbaby. Sitting around you will be someone who figured out how to get their kids to soccer practice. Because they were united with you. And you cared for them. You were devoted to them. You accepted them. You honored them. You comforted them. And they did the same to you. And you won't regret a moment of that, my friends. You won't regret a moment of that. And you'll finally understand what it means to be united to one another in a church that you can't do on a Sunday morning. Let me pray for you. God, sometimes we confess our sins and we say the, the, the memorized words and I'm a poor, miserable sinner and I confess to you all my sins and iniquities. And that's, that's fine, that's true. But today, instead of confessing a general sin, I want to confess a specific sin as your people. We are selfish, Lord. We are consumed with self-interest. It just feels easier to do life alone. And right now, Holy Spirit, it, it, it says in your word that you convict, just like it says that you comfort. And so we ask you now, for those stuck, to convict us. We thought of reasons that we can't do this. Oh, we're too busy. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too broken. Take all those excuses away, God. Motivate us and compel us to get signed up for a small group and then to follow through so that we can be the church you want us to be, that each of us, me, we can be who you designed us to be in living this life. So forgive us, God. Come by your grace and cover us. And in response, with gratitude, we step into the life you've you've called us to. And then, God, as we do this and we begin this journey of small groups as a church, would you just let us experience with one another those very verbs we talked about today, what it means to be united, what it means to to, um, be connected, devoted to care for and comfort one another. Would you teach us, Lord? And now we unite our voices in the prayer that you taught us to pray, O Lord, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.